Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein. Powering tomorrow today. This is the House of Ats with Cam Luke and John Stephenson. Yeah, we're back wherever you might be. We are jam-packed with it all. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Hello to you. Make sure you head into Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Diamond League galore. Australian records galore. Superstars. Well, just the one of them on the show. Two, maybe, if we count our man, Jay Steezy, but definitely one with Lyndon Hall, who now has, again, in her keeping, the women's 1,500-metre Australian record. Jess Hull did her thing. Katrina Bissett did her thing. Stuart McSwain finding form again. Lots to get into. Jay Steezy, Jay Steph, or whatever you call yourself, you're in the house. Hello, buddy. Jay, please. Yes, Cam, uh, great to be back uh, this week again. You know, I'm actually a bit stressed out, Cam, because oh, here we go. I, I just, I, no, no, I'm serious, because I just don't feel we do the international results justice. I agree. I, I, I keep saying every, this, I've been involved in the sport for 23 years, yep. and I, I used to watch back in the day with your, you know, Sebastian Coe and Oved and mm-hmm. Daly Thomas um, um, and, and you know, uh, Jonathan Edwards and, you know, for Christie and the names go on and and that era Paul Lewis and Ben Johnson they were breaking records and it was just it was crazy time. I believe that this this era now with the results that that I'm seeing every week week in week out is just absolutely uh, astonishing. It's amazing and I feel I just don't we just don't give it enough justice on how I great um, athletics is going on around the world, both domestically our Australian athletes internationally as well as international athletes breaking African records, British records. Um, you know, it's world records. It's just absolutely crazy. So I'm really glad to be, you know, back on this week. I'm looking forward to a great app. Well, where do you want to start? Wherever you want to start, we can start. We are going to touch on, we are going to touch on the Commonwealth Games, which broke after our show last week, but we'll save that yep. for SIG 3. Cool. Lyndon Hall will join us in around 10 minutes' time. So wherever you want to start, take it away. Look, I think there's so much positivity out there that the Commonwealth Games can really take a massive backseat. I think it was horrible. We all heard it last week. And, yeah, I'm, I'm still quite disappointed. I mm-hmm. think it didn't have to happen. But, you know, let's talk about the Australian results. Let's do uh, it. Both, both in Monaco and as well as London over the weekend. I mean, it was just to see Aussie athletes compete like this. You know, Oceania record, Australian record to Katrina Bissett, <laughs> 157. Uh, 78 for the 800. This is flying, Cam. I mean, it, it it is it is, and she looks strong. We 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 had her on the show. We talked about her performances. We talked about what she wanted to achieve. We're looking at three weeks out now. Just just under three weeks out mm-hmm. from World Championships. You couldn't be in a better position running a time like that. You know, coming into a World Championship and really believing you can be a serious contender to to find yourself on the podium. We saw Matt Denny back in the discus. You know, back second place back finding his rhythm again. Matt is my dark horse in the discus. I I really think he has the maturity to find himself on the podium. He wasn't so far away, you know, in the, in the last few championships that he's he's taken part in. Um, We saw Stu McSwain back in fantastic form, uh, Cam, you know, 331.42 for, and, and he's had such a rough trot. You know, leading up to London, uh, Cam. I mean, I know his home base is out in um, Teddington, in uh, where where the Nick Bedo squad train. So it would have been fantastic for him, London Grand Prix. I reckon they would have been planning to 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 go out there and shoot some shoot throw a major dart um, at the dartboard of that race. And we saw the outbreak of Adam Spencer, a new young Huge. kid again, another young young kid. You know, PB of I think around six or seven seconds. I mean, um, 
I mean, how fantastic is that? You know, Nina Kennedy in the pole vault in, in really tough conditions found a way again um, on, the, on the podium. Uh, it, it just shows, man, like these athletes are becoming hardened with the Diamond League, which is that's how you want to prepare coming into a world championships. Um, you know, and, and again, you, even even people like like Brooke Bush, Bushkill, I mean, she's had a tough trot leading up to this and, and she's again found a bit of form right before championships. Championships and she's a confidence jumper cam. So for her to compete like that at London in a big diamond league puts you in a good position come world championships. So um I just want to read this was... quote. Just just this is what Brooke said, and this is interesting. We're gonna to talk to Lyndon Hall in a little bit about this. This is a quote. When other Aussie athletes are doing well, it makes you want to lift your standard. It's an amazing track and amazing stadium. I'm not surprised everyone is doing well over here, but it's a great time to be hitting some form with Budapest. So close. Now, it's mainly the first part of that quote that I do want to focus on here because they are continually, all Australian athletes, continually going quicker or longer or higher or further than they ever have. And they're all doing it at the same time in the absolute toughest competitions in the world when it comes to Diamond League. And this is something, and the momentum and the confidence these athletes are gaining Mm. from each other by going to watch an Australian go and do their thing or whatever event it might be, and then Mm. being driven to continually Mm. lift their own standards in training Mm. and then in competition is the reason we're seeing this. This is no coincidence. It's no coincidence that all these Australian athletes are doing this at the same time. And we, this will be, I need to check the record books this for Johnny. But I, this will be our most successful world championships ever. I would like to listen. It will be. Give me another week. Give me another week, and, and, yes. I, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll give you uh, what my predictions will be. Okay. Um, as far as that, but let me explain so this. Let me give you some context and explain my theory around this camp. Um, there's no. I have absolutely no question about this. That um, sport at the very top end towards a major championship is all about confidence and self belief. And I think what's happening now for this generation is that the world's becoming quite small. And I said this about six, seven episodes ago around that these young, these young athletes have access now to mediums like social media, like the internet, and the world's become a lot smaller for them in understanding. There's no, there's not much difference between the young Australian that lives in the Southern hemisphere to the Northern hemisphere athletes that historically performed well. I think they're going now to these championships and you keep hearing this language saying that when I see another Aussie do well, it gives me the self-belief to do well. Historically, we always felt we were the Southern Hemisphere athletes that didn't really belong to the Northern Hemisphere competitions. This is changing rapidly, Cam. And I think it started in Tokyo in COVID and it's now just progressed as we saw into Oregon, now coming into now Budapest. And we're seeing this now at the Championship Diamond League. And I'm I'm really confident we're going to see this come Budapest. I won't give you my prediction what I think our team will do because this is track and field and many, many things can happen. But from what we're seeing now, man, if we had to go on pedigree from what we've seen over the season, if we had to go on on what history has showed us, I think this could be one of the greatest teams that Australia's ever presented come World Championships. Just based on what you said as well, and you mentioned social media, and we have touched a little bit on that over the over the journey here on this show. I also believe that it takes away a little bit of the awe factor that athletes... I'm not just talking about track and field. I'm talking about all, in particular, international, right? So in a situation, if you are an Instagram follower of a competitor in your event, and you might have in the past, and Johnny, you would know a hell of a lot more about this than I would clearly, but you might be competing in the Australian summer and you're doing well Mm -hmm. and your times are good, and Mm -hmm. then you know that there is a 
American well, Cam, athlete, right? And you Cam, roll it on over. Real. It does. Cam, it be, sorry, to, it, sorry to cut you off. No, you're it right. It becomes real, right? It becomes, that's why I moved to America, I trained with Marie Screen. I wanted to see what these Americans are doing mm-hmm. that everybody was talking about in the Southern Hemisphere was making them so much better than what we were. Once I started rubbing shoulders with them, it gave me the self-belief that they're not that much better than me, that, no. that I I am just like them. I just got to work as hard as what they do, learn, their, learn the skills and the tricks that they have in the Northern Hemisphere and take that and apply it to my craft. And this is what I feel this generation is doing very well. Mm-hmm. They're on social media they're seeing what people are doing across the world how they're trained it's making it more real that all factor gets lost they're no more they're putting hero status around the world champion or the world record holder and they start looking going you know what they're very similar to me yep. so by the time they race to them that all factor is gone when they're standing in the line no longer do they feel they don't belong there they're saying hang on a minute ah this person's just like me i belong and we're seeing australian athletes rocking up to these championships rocking up the diamond league saying i belong <laughs> Social media humanizes people, right? So you essentially see someone in their, I won't say their most natural form due to the fact that, you know, people can put up, but you do believe, when you when you see the world champion over 800 meters putting up just normal everyday stuff, it might be yeah. going out for dinner or it might be, you know, the little simple things, it does humanize mm. a little bit of these athletes that you might put on a pedestal because of how fast they run. I want to drop you this quote, because this reminded me of the conversation we had with Katrina Bissett you know, a couple of months ago. And I quote, I've learned that you just have to respect the race and be patient. Every race, you have to be present and run the race for what it is. There have been so many times I've gone into a race and tried to run the way I want to run, but actually haven't run the race itself and haven't been able to achieve what I've wanted. Now, she spoke a little bit about that with us a couple of months ago. She, of course, becomes the first Australian woman to eclipse 158. She was in that diving four-way finish. She only just missed the podium, but that is a world championship time, clearly, but a world championship field. Lyndon Hall, who will join us in a moment, is going to talk about her perfect race last week over 1,500 metres, but Katrina, who very close teammate and training partner, to be able to do that and understand the mental side of staying present in a race is a big reason I think she can medal. I think she can medal at Budapest from what she's being able to do. Cam, these races, from what I was taught by I feel one of the greatest coaches in the world, John Smith, these races allows you to build a toolkit. And the great Anna Mears, uh, Australian great cyclist, once, once told me we were having a conversation about this before Rio Olympics, uh, about how she was trying to create a bandwidth. And that bandwidth is about in training, trying to have as many options as she can when she steps to race day, that she learns to race because she knows she has the speed to win. But it comes down to a championships, being able to race and deal with what's presented to you on that day and finding a way to win. These, This is what these races prepare you for. This is what Katrina Bissett is saying. She's learning now to, to be in a race and be instinctive, uh, not only react, but be proactive in a race so by being present and by being instinctive in the race because that's how you win championships because so many things can happen in these distance races where there's not lanes in 100 200 and 400 it's a little bit different because you you sort of have to focus on your own race plan and focus on in your lane and that normally helps you become a champion but in these distance races there's a lot of different uh i guess uh, variables which can allow you to win a championship and the greats if you look historically the greats mo farah Al Garouge, um, you know, uh, Faith Keep Yegon, uh, and the list goes on. They they always find a way mm-hmm. to win in a race. So I think this is what Lyndon and both 
Katrina have expressed. And I, and I think this is what our distance runners from Australia are learning um, to do. So um, it puts them in a great position come a championship. And, I, and I, oh, I keep saying this, when you get to a championship in that final, it's about racing to win. Whatever's happened before that has happened. Uh, it doesn't matter how fast you ran, what times you are. It's about finding where. And we saw this last year uh, when we saw Jack Whiteman uh, beat uh, Jakob Ingebrigtsen uh, in the 1500. Mm. Who would have thought that? But he ran his own race. He was very tactical. And uh, and Jakob just didn't have the legs. Uh, you, you mentioned just before Adam Spencer, of course, uh, broke his personal best as well. He got the phone call in the morning. This is what I love. This is what I love, where the confidence is eking down now. Adam Spencer's not someone we've spoken a great deal about. We're going to talk a lot more about him in the years to come. But the very fact he gets a phone call at 5.30, hey, you want to run Diamond League? There's an opportunity here. He's pretty much said, well, bloody oath I do. I'm quoting him there. And he goes out and he runs his best time ever in a really hot field. So it's not just, you know, the athletes we are talking about that uh, we know we're going to be there when the whips are cracking in a major championship and have done it before. But this particular young guy is feeding the momentum and feeding the confidence from the Australian athletes that he is able to then roll on in and run particularly well also when it comes to qualifiers for Worlds and Olympics for Paris. So that, I think, just trickles down to maybe... Uh, it feels harsh me calling him a Tier 2 athlete because that sounds disrespectful, which I'm not meaning to be, but he is probably just that little rung below the Ollie Hawes and the, and the Stuart McSwain's of the 1,500 metres, but the confidence is still there that they can run well when they're called upon, and, and he proved that. 100% came out, and, that, and a lot of people, I mean, this is, I, keep, I say it every episode, mm -hmm. this is uh, the beauty of the show is about us edu educating the casual sports fan and uh, the listener about how, how our sports work, our sport works, especially in Europe. This does happen uh, a lot of the times, and the, the, in, tra in athletics, you've got to put yourself in a position to have these opportunities. Adam has done that, right? He's made sure he's trained, he's worked hard, he got the call up, and he's taken the opportunity with both hands in a very fast and tactical race. Our men's 4 by one also raced on the weekend in London. Mm -hmm. This is, And I feel so guilty. I looked at the team. I think I know one athlete in there. You know, these are four young guys that ran 38 seconds, 38, I think they ran 38.6 38, mm -hmm. uh, for the four by one, um, which is not slow. It, it, it is quick. Uh, uh, it Ken. is quick. Um, and and uh, I mean, uh, a team of Lachlan Kennedy, Joseph Despard, Christopher uh, Ewis, and Jack Penny. I don't know these guys. But they're out there performing. They're out there trying to represent Australia, trying to make sure. And it's so important for us to have a relay team um, at these championships. Uh, and, and, and this is what our sport's about. You get the opportunity uh, is about lifting and, and making sure you take with both hands. Now, before we get out of here, we do have to mention Jess Hull, Australian mile record. Now, again, this was hot. This was a real hot race because Kip Yagen sets the uh, the world record, which is something we just get used to saying weekly on this show because she continually <laughs> does that. But they did, honestly, it was, I think, five of the top eight fastest mile runs ever. She spoke about the fact that she didn't go out there looking at the clock. She won't look at the clock at Budapest. This was all about being a part, again, being a part of the race. She was hugely involved in the chasing pack when it comes to the, the speed and the, and the pace. And in the end, when you see races like this, it just tells you how deep middle distance, 1,500 yeah, mile but, but, run but, for the women. But, and the Australian are dead set in a bang in the middle of it, Johnny. They're in the middle of it, Cam, but not in that, though. Look at the men's 200 metres. 
I mean, we saw Noah Lyles uh, break Usain's bolt all time, 200 yep. meter sub 19s. We saw Let's Let's Seal Tobago push him all the way to the line run, and run 1950 for an African record. We saw Zanel use uh, break the British record mm -hmm. in 197. Um, all in one race, uh, Cam. Uh, 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 I'm not. Uh, I'm paraphrasing here with 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 um, with uh, Noah Lyles, but he said, "Look." I, I'm winning world champs and everybody, uh, they're running for second. Yeah. Um, he said, uh, when I was running the 200 in London and I felt uh, Tobago uh, uh, so close to me, uh, I, I was angry. But then I saw the time and I was like, it's cool as long as I'm winning. You know what I mean? So because they ran so quick and, and, and the women's 100 was the same. Um, it's just, it's just like I said, I mean, uh, in my involvement in the sport, 20 plus years, I've never seen the results. And I'm starting to ask the question, and I got asked the question today by a very famous world uh, triathlon champion because he loves track and field. He started in track and he said to me, John, what is it? I have, I agree with you. I have not seen results like this. Is it the technology? And we're going to say that for another episode. Again, but, no, you're, not, but, <laughs> you're dipping the toe back into this. You still haven't got our shoe creator on the show that you promised would come on and explain some things oh, about the spikes. No, I know, I know, I know. I'm being facetious here, but it's just, <laughs> you know, and, and it's wrong of me to say that because I think we should bask in the glory of what's happening. And I think it shouldn't really matter. I mean, True. We, we evolved, we evolve as humans and if technology evolves and they run quicker then such is life but we also talked about the tour de france and how quick um the cyclists are riding in the tour i i'm a big boxing fan can you are. um and 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 you know the one of the biggest fights i think in the last two decades besides maybe mayweather pacquiao is this weekend with terence crawford and, and um and uh, errol spence jr uh if you're a sports fan, just watch this fight. Even if you don't like fighting, just watch this fight. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be history in the making. And so, you know, when we talk about how great these, you know, athletes are across the board in sport, I know this is an athletic show. Um, it gets me excited, Cam. I love I love sport. We love sport at SEN. Um, and, and, and it's something which I think is just such a magical time to be alive and be able to watch these performances. This isn't, of course, the uh, house of swimming, but big shout out to Ariane Titmus who just went to 100%. town. In what was meant to be the race of the century, and she just put Ledecky and McIntosh straight in a wash from the start mm -hmm. and went bang. And that's what we love to see the creme de la creme superstar athletes stand up and deliver. We do it all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Lyndon Hall talking about athletes who are delivering. She most certainly has been as we head towards a world championship in a couple of weeks. She will join us next. Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein, powering tomorrow today. This is the House of Ats with Cam Luke and John Stephenson. Yeah, most certainly is right across SEN Radio Network. You can get involved, 0433981116. So much to get into. A lot to get into. Big show ahead of us. But as always, Johnny Steph, if somebody has done something amazing or they are about to, they feature on the show. In fact, we've only been around for two months and we have had the legit creme de la creme superstars already pop in. And it just solidifies what we're talking about, Johnny. Hey, Cameron, have we set the pace uh, too fast, too early, man? Or can we sustain this pace that we're going in with the superstars? We're calling every week. You know, we've got another one that's yes. uh, waiting on the line today. We have, and uh, that superstar is already a superstar, but what she did on the weekend, no doubt will give her more confidence she's going in the right direction. I speak of Lyndon Hall. She's Amazing. reclaimed her Australian 1500-meter record. Lyndon, uh, congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. 
Uh, look, we were talking just off air. Let's, it, it, there, there's been some frustration over this particular preparation for you, things that haven't quite gone 100% to plan. So to be able to do what you did on a weekend and run in, I'm assuming, near enough to the perfect race must make you so happy heading towards a world championship so close. Oh, it couldn't have happened at a better time, really. And then, yeah, to know you're only three weeks away from, from the major, you're like, oh, I couldn't couldn't have planned it better after, yeah, a bit of a shaky start, got sick. First couple of weeks I was away and that uh, impacted my first few races, which was, you know, pretty frustrating. Um, and then sort of finally got going and lost my shoe uh, about halfway, just over halfway through a uh, race in Stockholm. And I was like, oh, my God, like, it's just not catching a break here. So... Yeah, I feel like finally everything fell into place in um, in Celestia last weekend, and um, yeah, finally got to to show what we've been working on in training with my you know whole team and everything, and it's yeah so exciting. Let's go and order a little bit. Uh, obviously, from where we sit and we're and we're watching these races and, and Diamond League and and the events you're competing in, it, clearly when you're unwell, it, it it hurts the way you're able to race at the highest level. But from a training perspective, the stuff we don't see, how much does it impact? Are you are you taking sessions off? Are you just dropping considerably? the intensity of sessions when you're unwell, how does it all work behind the scenes when you, when you are struggling with something? Oh, it's a little bit of just kind of day by day, really just, you know, checking in with your coaches and support staff and um, yeah, kind of making the best plan for that day and, you know, prioritizing what's most important, I guess, and what you're going to get the most out of. Um, So yeah, whether that's making sure you can line up or whether it's, you know, maybe pulling the race and doing training and, weighing out the pros and cons and I'm not very good at saying no to anything. Um, you know, once it's on the plan, <laughs> I want to do it. Um, so sometimes some, uh, encouragement is needed in that, in that space. Um, which is probably why I still lined up when I wasn't feeling a hundred percent, which I don't know, I would have felt left out if I didn't do it and would have just wondered, Oh, well, maybe I would have been okay. And they weren't horrific, but they weren't what, what we thought we were going to run. So when you lose a um, shoe, I'm sure I still got plenty out. When you lose a shoe in the middle of a race, what, what, what like what goes through your mind? Like, is it, is it, I, I just got to pull out. Oh. I got to push through. Like, what does go through your mind? Because the the illness is something that we do unfortunately see at different times. But losing shoes are very rare, at least from where we sit. What what goes through your mind? Oh, a lot of words that probably shouldn't be shared. Um, it's probably the first reaction. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, closest I've ever thought about you know actually stopping in a yep. race I was like I don't know I've got a lap and a half to go here and um it was pouring rain as well so you kind of needed need some spikes on the well, track you can have um, problems can't co- you Lyndon you, I mean you can get blisters and then you've got to carry those blisters three weeks out from world championships uh, people don't understand when you're running on a Rickettan track it's almost like uh getting a uh, carpet burn for a lap and a half is that would, would, would I be right in saying that Lyndon yeah, so my shoe kind of like half hung hung onto my foot because the front of my foot couldn't get past my laces because they were tied so tight. So I just kind of had oh, okay. the ball of my foot in the arch of my shoe. So it's just this like floppy flipper situation. Um, That's crazy. <laughs> it would have probably looked pretty stupid. Um, I've got big feet, so there's a lot of shoe flipping around. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was... Yeah, not something that's happened before and mm. I hope never happens again. Um, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> hey, Lyndon, I'll tell you something. I remember vividly, um, I think it was 2017 London World Championships coming to the warm-up track and Oof. seeing you absolutely distraught. 
Uh, and I can't remember who was consoling you. One of our female team leaders was consoling you. Um, and to see you run the way you're running now, we talked off air three weeks coming into world championships. And I sort of joked around you just saying, when it's like this, you just, you just, you, you just wrap yourself in cotton wool. You go home, you just keep looking at the stars saying, thank you. And you are, and you just, because these times don't often come by in track and field. Walk us through how that's been. I mean, from back then all the way to now and, and breaking the Australian record on the weekend, obviously leads you with great confidence coming six uh, in Tokyo. Um, you know, I know, you, I know you, I know you see yourself as a medalist at a championships. Surely this has got to put you mentally in the frame of going, you know what, if I don't walk away with a medal come world championships, then you'll be quite disappointed. I think like, yeah, that one race on the weekend, I sort of flipped from being like, God, I better make the Australian team to all of a sudden being like, <laughs> you know, we're, we're shooting for, you know, the real point at the end of the race all of a sudden. It was such a, like, dramatic pivot to make in our thinking um, because, obviously, you know, women's 1500 for the Australian team is just stacked right now and, you know, pretty much apart from Jess who's selected, no one's safe. So we were all, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure we were all sort of feeling that a little bit each time we lined up, you know, wanting to, you know, prove our, our point and justify why we should be in the team. So, um, yeah, it was pretty cool to be able to just kind of flick that switch in in one race and yeah 2017 woof, that was a, a championship I'd rather not remember too much <laughs> it wasn't a good good year for me so I'm glad I've had better results since then that's for sure well, that, well that's, um, that's, that's yeah. the beauty of track and field isn't it Lyndon you know like you can go from you know if you do the hard work you can go from once you know being you know I think there was a, a young kid by the name of Spencer he, he proved uh, in the same race as Stewie McSwain when Stewie ran 3.31 on the weekend in London he improved something like seven seconds uh, PB or six second PB um, by putting himself in the right race and all of a sudden you know you can go from being quite dejected thinking like you said will I make the team to hang on a minute I'm going to be on the podium potentially if I keep running like this come world championship <laughs> so it's that's the beauty of our sport isn't it Lyndon? Yeah, I think so much can change so quickly. And, you know, once you're kind of really ready for those big races and all the pieces fall together and all the pieces of the puzzle get put together, it's like, oh, we're on. Um, and yeah, I don't think anything feels better than finally putting it all together on race day. So tell me, what's Ned thinking? Ned Brophy, your coach, coaches, coaches Katrina Bissett as well. She ran fantastic on the weekend, breaking the Australian record again. Um, what, what to, tell me, what, what are the conversations with the Crocker race team uh, after the meet, when you go to the meet? What are you guys talking? You guys just walk around, you know, chest out, just go, Crocker team's in the building, we're ready for worlds. <laughs> like, what, what is, what's going on? Because I love Ned. I, I, I've, I've spoken about him quite a number of times mm -hmm. on the show, and I find it's fantastic what he's doing with you guys and, and how well you guys are running. Yeah, I think I think we were both honestly pretty surprised with the result. I think we both thought a PB was there. Um, we thought maybe probably 58, um, you know, I'd run 59.01 in Tokyo. So we were, you know, really looking to get under that. Um, so I think, yeah, 57 low, dipping under Jess's record from a few weeks earlier was like probably not quite on the radar um, just yet. I think we probably, yeah, we thought maybe 58. I think that would have, we would have been absolutely stoked with that. So I think we were both in like a bit of disbelief post-race. Like I think I was just on the phone trying not to cry and just like <laughs> yeah in absolute shock and you know there were so many Australians at Celestia at the meet which was so nice to you know get back to the warm-up track and just see all the other girls and guys and just celebrate. <laughs> I'll tell you something Cam this is this is a little bit cram co-esque female version Australian female version with a whole 
and Lyndon. Don't you think? You know, I agree. It's, 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 you know, breaking records, you know, Lyndon breaks a record, uh, Jess breaks a record, Lyndon breaks a It's just, it's, it, it has a lot of synergies there, doesn't it, Ken? It, it, it does, of course. This is something that we have continually spoken about a lot, probably over the last two or three months, Johnny, on this show. And the fact is that we have never seen middle distance runners in this country, at least for 20 more years, be able to continually do what you are doing, your team, and a part of it. And and how much does it motivate you? Now, now I did, I sent a, a lovely uh, Instagram post from Jess last week congratulating you on taking the record back. And I thought, you know what? Like, you know what? Great by Jess. But it must also burn deep inside of you when the other person does take the record back. Is it a half balance of motivation to be able to continually push on to make sure that you both get to those levels where you're both on podiums or the podium at a major championship? Yeah, I think we're at a point where we're almost expecting the other to take mm. it when we've got it. Um, well, at least that's how I feel. Um, <laughs> I'm sort of like, oh, I don't know how many weeks can I hold on to this before, you know, Jess goes again because, you know, she's running incredibly as well. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's really cool. I think, you know, if you, and it's crazy to think that, yeah, two years ago we were like, oh my God, four minutes like let's try and break four minutes and now there's two of us doing it and it's it's wild it's almost like Nicola and Eleanor in the high jump you mm. know Nicola finally went two meters and now they're both jumping through two and crazy crazy things so um yeah I think that's you know just the power of competition and um pushing each other and I think yeah there's there's three spots and there's four girls so yeah. you've got to keep bringing it I will say this to you, Lyndon. I had a good chat uh, via text with uh, the high-performance uh, manager, Andrew Fakeney, and uh, to see the joy on his uh, in his text and the confidence he has in the Australian team, um, and he spoke very highly about what our medal prospects look like. What do you see... Um, our best chances come Budapest. Um, uh, we've we've noticed uh, we you know Cam and I looked at the weather for Budapest. Um, it's gonna it could be rough and tough out there weather wise. The conditions might not be perfect, and I think that suits the Aussies to be honest. I think we are quite gritty when it comes to that. Um, how do you see the team performing come Budapest? Oh, I think the last really since Tokyo, like it's just been a real change in just sort of almost belief in the team. Like I think the more we've had people making finals and finishing, you know, in that, that pointy end, I think the more the rest of us look around, they're like, yeah, well, I can do that too. Like Australians make finals. Like we do that now. Um, and I think even the rest of the world is starting to notice that. Like, I think they're like, yeah, you guys are going well. Whereas, you know, historically that was, you know, we'd have a few standouts of course, but I think we're, we're more present across the board and, you know, we've got someone in almost every event now and, and they're doing well, which is really cool Great. to see. And, you know, it's fun to be part of such a huge and successful team, you know, with Eleanor and Kelsey winning in Eugene, like they were such, you know, exciting moments to be able to share with them and my teammates and um, and everything like that. Like, I think it just feels, it feels more teamy than it used to, I think. Like, I think everyone is getting around each other's performances more and a bit more invested in each other maybe than I felt on some earlier teams. Or maybe it's just because I know everyone better or or something like that. But yeah, it's it feels more like a team and I think that's really exciting. And I know we've we've been some of some other athletes and I've been speaking about how, you know, trying to make more of that team culture um this year in Budapest and, you know, what what we can do and um yeah, to try and make it feel feel more special and like you can be a part of the success of the team, even if maybe you don't have the best championship, because as we know, that happens. 
Do you, do you think, Linda, that is something that might have been born out of COVID times? Of course, you went to Tokyo all as a team and really there was no one else. You had some support staff, obviously, but there wasn't the big, you know, there was no crowds. It was a lot different than a traditional major championship and a much different time in the world. Do you, do you think what you just spoke about could be something that has come out of maybe Tokyo and being on the road where you kind of only had each other outside of anyone else, no real family members in the stands? Yeah, probably. I think a lot of, yeah, and even... I don't know, we all had to, you know, every athlete around the world had to get a face some kind of challenge through mm. that sort of COVID period, whether it be, you know, track access or coach, you know, being with their coach or things like that. So I think it, it almost made the task of the Olympics a little bit less daunting. You're like, oh, well, we got through that mess. Like, surely this will be, this will be fine. This is, you know, everyone was so excited and thankful to be there that it was like, you know, make the most of it. And I think last year having the double championship was really cool because we spent almost two months together as a team which we never do you know and we had almost a bit of a breather from that like competition intensity where everyone's a little bit you know in their bubble um, whereas we had you know more time kind of in that camp environment where we were you know hanging out playing you know and just you know hanging out together and getting mm. to know each other better and I think you know when you feel like you know someone more when you watch them perform you you know you feel a bit more invested in it so I think I think that was really, really cool. The I guess that was a COVID outcome in the way, the double championship. But um, yeah, I think that was a really cool time for us to all spend such a big block of time together as a team. Uh, of course, Johnny was just mentioning before about how he checked the weather in Budapest. Now, I will honestly say this. That's because he needs to know what he's taking to wear. I've never known a man <laughs> to be able to continually bob up and be a part of major teams at major championships. Now, he's been retired a better, in fact, more than a decade. But have you been to a major championship, Lyndon, and have not seen Johnny Stephenson still involved in some, or at least floating around? Hey, I'm pretty sure he's been at every championship <laughs> I've been to, and we were never both competing. <laughs> It's amazing. He, he, he does an amazing job, and I have no doubt he has. We are working on something. For, he's going to let me go to Paris with him for something, but he does a really good job of continually being around the team, and he is someone that I'm sure there are athletes on the team that can get some advice from at different times. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, no, I think the team is always very welcoming of, of Steph's hype around the team. It's definitely uh, not one with a frown on his face at a major championship. Uh, look, we're pretty honest and transparent on this show. So for the listeners who listen to us, I will say this. Johnny, before we went live, tried to convince Lyndon they actually competed on the same Olympic team together, <laughs> which was amazing considering that you'd been retired about eight years before I, Lyndon burst the prominence. I thought we did. Like, I legitimately <laughs> thought we did. I thought, Lyndon, I felt like a, I was a part of the journey here. I just, I thought, surely I'm not that old. You're like, 24 years not- older, mate. Come on. You didn't go to 19 Olympics. Um, just quickly while we're at it, Lyndon, and uh, obviously you're, you're a little bit removed being on the other side of the world right now, but any thoughts on the, the announcement last week with the Commonwealth Games and, uh, you know, any time there's a home major championship, it, it must spur an athlete on. But it was it, it was pretty sucky news, I assume. Well, definitely for us as sports fans, but as an athlete, what did you make of it? Yeah, I think, yeah, disappointing is probably the, the mm. main emotion. I think, yeah, sort of obviously you're on different time zones. So you woke up and there was all sorts of things all over social media and, you know, a bunch of people messaging you being like, oh, what do you think? Like, what do you know? Um, but yeah, obviously I was lucky enough to compete on the Gold Coast and have that experience of a home championship. And it was, you know, incredible. And I, I don't think I'll ever forget the 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 noise of the crowd, the last 200 um, of my race at, at 
Gold Coast Com Games. And, you know, even though I'd come fourth, it's still probably one of my, like, favourite races and memories, um, you know, that I've ever run in. I think even just, you know, I was mid middle of primary school, Sydney Olympics, and just, you know, the the inspiration from that for, you know, the junior junior athletes and school kids and things that, you know, that that next sort of generation might miss out on. And I guess at least they're going to capture that Brisbane Olympics um, in their lifetime as well. So hopefully not all is dead, but yeah, I would love to to see someone pick it up and, you know, obviously um, getting, getting on in with a career. So it could be, could be the last one of the last events. So it, I was excited of the thought of that being at home in Victoria, but we will see now. We'll just see if it uh, gets off the ground at all, I guess. And all we can do is sit back and wait and worry about this year for now. I just want to ask you, you, you mentioned, of course, that, that run in, in 2018. Are you, are you someone like when you run and you you, you put your world-class event, 1,500 metres and, and the way that the women are running and have run for the last couple of years, it is a tough event to be at the top of the tree where you currently sit. Are you able to look back and appreciate what you have done, even though in the moment you might have, you know, been one or two places off where you would have liked to have been here. Are you an athlete who traditionally is able to see the pride in your great performances or to take you a little while upon reflection to, to understand how well you have done, even if you do fall just a, a little short of that podium? I think I'm getting better at it. Yep. I think um, the older I've gotten, you know, sort of sometimes the further between those moments are that you really should celebrate. And I think, sort of yeah definitely gotten better at you know stopping and appreciating that and I think that really hit this last weekend running mm. 57 because I don't know I'd started to think I was like am I gonna am I gonna run another PV like or is, is this kind of it um so I think yeah last the first time I I broke four minutes it was like oh thank god I've finally done it I've been talking about it for so long um whereas this time breaking the record it was almost I don't know it was more sort of like appreciation for all of the work and all of the people that support me you know my coach Ned and you know everyone at the Victorian Institute of Sport um so I think yeah it was a really different experience I think I've definitely gotten better at kind of yeah sort of taking a breath and reflecting you know on the season before kind of being like okay next year I want to do this um yeah but I think that's probably something that's just come with experience and um yeah maybe just appreciating those moments well, you're a star from where we sit and watching you and loving what you've done for a long period of time. We are very appreciative of how great you are going in these major championships, and we can't wait. I will be stuck here in Melbourne. Johnny Steph will be in Budapest trackside when you line up in that 1,500-metre final. But uh, we wish you the best of luck. What does happen from, from here on now? Have you got you got more racing to do? How does it all work for you over the next couple of weeks before the Worlds? Uh, I've got about another week and a half or so up at altitude in St. Moritz in Switzerland. Um, and then I'll go down and I'll run a 1K race uh, first week of August. I think uh, Abby Caldwell and I are both uh, having a go there. So get the elbows out, have a bit of a showdown yeah. there <laughs> between us. And then um, we'll go to team camp uh, for final touches of preparation and then on to Budapest. And I'm, we're up pretty much the start Stay of the program. So we're straight in for us. Tough gig camp south yes. of France, isn't it? Oh, not south of Saint Moritz. Tough, tough. And, and then and then Mount Pilier after that uh, camp. Very, well, very you tough. know, well, you know what she's she's training her backside off right now. Now I tell you what, I tell you what, you have a better gig. Wherever you are in the world right now, I guarantee you, you shouldn't be throwing any shade on anyone else having a good gig. I'll tell you that right now. Because you're just going to rock into the world champs without doing any sprinting at all and just wandered all the parties.
Go to the Walmart track, bring my bodysuit, <laughs> pretend I'm still racing in it. Oh my days. But no, Linda, no. Maybe we uh, still will be on a team together. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I can't believe I even thought that. I'm so embarrassed. But anyway, I'm sure uh, I'm sure I'll catch up with you in Budapest, Linda, and um, yeah, wish you all the best moving forward and uh, give them hell. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, always a pleasure. Lyndon Hall, what a superstar she is. A very quick break, plenty more. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse on the other side of this. Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein. Powering tomorrow today. This is the House of Ats with Cam Luke and John Stephenson. Well, thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Head to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. We don't have a great deal of time, Johnny, but I'm going to ask you a question. I know, you know you're going to give me predictions over the next couple of weeks of Budapest, but if you could give me an athlete, an athlete right now that 100% wins gold in Budapest, who would you be inching towards? Oh, man, that's a very, very tough one. No, come on, mate. It's the easiest, it is the easiest question I think I've ever I asked th- you. I don't think it's easy. It's easy. I, I, do, not, I do not think it's easy because I think as we as we mm-hmm. see and heard, we know the weather's going to be quite difficult. Yes. Which then, really, which then throws... Uh, history, well, season history out, out the window when yeah. you're talking Nicola Ollis Lagers, and you're talking Eleanor Patterson, because high yes. jump, if it's wet, can Tough. change everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, same same for Javelin. So we're talking about our two Javelin girls. Yeah. Um, it, it, it completely throws that into disarray. It throws our, our discus, because they do not like a wet circle. Uh, so so um, that's a very... Now, hang on. Very, hang on. I'm just, I'm I'm just t- saying, I'm talking from a very educated... You are. But you- and, and if we look at pole vault, it throws Nina Kennedy. They do not like yeah. having water because it ruins you know, the grip on the pole. Um, so then you start to look to our distance boys. You start to look to Joseph Deng. Peter Ball in events that historically anything can happen. I should have tripped. They can get boxed. I, I actually should have made this a little more clear in my question. It's my fault. You didn't have to be inter- Australian. It could have been international. Any athlete in the world. Okay. Any uh, athlete. Gonna, Hence why it's an uh, easy question. I'm not putting any, the pressure on you to give a nominate an Australian gold medalist. Any athlete. Certain. Any athlete. Yeah. Very, uh, very, very easy. That's yeah. Very easy. That's, very, I, very easy. I told you. Very, very easy one for me. Who? And you, you cannot you cannot deny. Um, uh, oh man, <laughs> it is an easy one. I do. I no 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 no. no. I, 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 do, I do I do think I do think faith. I think that's a very easy one. I think yeah. she. Uh, but I, I, I didn't. Reason why I'm saying this, I didn't want to always lean to sprinting. I think no, Noel Lyles wipes the floor with him in the two hundred. Um, I, 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 I think his his confidence barring injury. Um, we did year we did year today that. You know, Shakari Richardson pulled out mm. of the London Grand Prix with a hamstring niggle. Uh, I would have thought she would have been not a favorite, not a standout, but one to really push Sharika Jackson. So then that puts Sharika Jackson to me as being the standout in the 200, definitely to win a gold medal as well. Look, in saying that, it's going to be fantastic, Cam. Um, I think there's a number of gold medal certainty, mm-hmm. but that's why we love track and field because sure. anything can happen. I agree. I'm with you. I did probably, I should have clarified internationally, but uh, keep Jagan for me, certain gold medalists. Quick break. We'll wrap it all up. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse next. Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein. Powering tomorrow today. This is the House of Ats with Cam Luke and John Stephenson. Well, thanks to Chemist Warehouse. We are almost out of here. Uh, go back and listen to the great chat we have with Lyndon Hall. You can just podcast it via the SEN socials at SEN, or 1116 SEN is about a million of them, whatever radio station you listen to in this great land or in New Zealand. Make sure you get it. Now, we've got to get out of here, so I've run out of time, but I see you 
Investing yeah. at the same how time as something. No, 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 no. Listen, Cal, this is how convenient, right? I mean, I don't know if you like, I don't know if you like this at school, but you were given homework weeks ago, and yeah. then you got sick, you couldn't do your homework. Yeah. Then you came back, and we ran out of time. Yep. Now, conveniently, again, we're running out of time. Yeah, we are. You. I know. Now, if you can't answer the question, just say, John, I cannot. No, answer I can this answer question, the question, but and, I, and I'll take care of it. For but, you. but, but I want to. The question for people at home is that. Uh, Steph wanted me to rank the top four world championship long jumpers. Had to be just based on world titles or world championship performances. And I have ranked them and did it from my uh, sick bed a couple of weeks ago. But what I need to do is I need to be able to explain as to why I've got to certain answers. (laughs) I don't need Carl Lewis blowing up my Instagram DMs angry if I don't have him at number one. Now, I'm not saying he is at number one. I'm simply pointing it out. I can tell you right now, I've got Mike Powell, who holds the world record and broke said world record at a world championship. I've got him at number four. I've got him at number four. You've got Mike Powell at number four. Number four. So this is what I need more time to be able to explain why I've got to a particular one, two, three, four. I don't want to just rush it. So then, you know, Mike, who's probably listening to this right now, is going to go nuts. So Man. we'll carve out a bit more time. We would have had time if you didn't actually believe that you and Lyndon Hall ran on the same Australian team. You're old enough to be a grandfather, brother. Come on, man. <laughs> I legitimately thought, Harry Bauer, I legitimately thought, John, you need to get away. You're getting too old. You need to get away. That was creepy. That was more like creepy. Nah, it wasn't <laughs> creepy. It wasn't creepy. It was just, um, yeah, it was creepy. we got to get out of here for Chemist Warehouse. I'll do my homework, and I'll see you next week. See you, buddy. Cheers, brother. <laughs>